0: The motherfucking roundup 2019 starts now. Hey everyone, how is it going? Uh, First one of 2019, I'm very excited. I'm very excited to get back to doing some quick shots of music. I have restocked and I'm ready to tell you about things I have feelings about. There's a lot to cover As always, um, on the plus side, the list is a little bit smaller from when I moved from my old computer to my new computer. I lost my list of albums. The playlist that had all the albums I needed to do roundups on is gone. Um, But uh, I remembered some of them. I've also listened to a bunch of new stuff. I have um, a few I want to get through super fast because I listened to them a really long time ago, months and months and months ago, if not even years and I don't really remember a whole lot about them, but I, I feel like I owe the review to you because you've been so patient and kind. So a few quick shots in the dark all alone. One, fortunately, I just listened to this one last night. Uh, I hadn't listened to it in a while. Uh, Ingrid Michaelson's It Doesn't Have to Make Sense from 2016. Clever indie pop music. I think it puts she puts herself leagues above the the uh, main stage luminaries of your Kesha's, Taylor Swift's, Ariana Gra- uh, Grande's, such. Uh, I think she has a much more unique voice, uh, more creative songwriting, and more exciting instrumentation. I also give her credit because she's one of the few musicians ar- slash artists to ever write a Christmas album that I didn't truly hate. Believe it or not, a long time ago, I listened to the Notorious B.I.G.'s Ready to Die, I honest to God don't remember much about it. I haven't listened to it a second time yet. It's a long album. It's almost 80 minutes, so it's it's kind of a commitment, but uh, loved it way more than Life After Death, which I felt was just way bloated and just way too much. This is a fantastic album. It's still very, very long, but uh, wonderfully put together. Can't say the same for Crime of the Century by Supertramp, which is relatively bland, Brit Prague, heavy rock, classic rock kind of stuff. Um... I mean, you got that <laughs> schlocky Bloody Well Right song. That's fun. Uh, beyond that, no, skippable. Don't don't listen to it. One I was super shocked was Dear Science by TV on the Radio. It came out in 2008. I, I remember seeing the music video and hearing the song, obviously, for Golden Age and thinking, oh, fuck, I'm never listening to this pretentious uh, pitchfork love fest. Turns out it is a weird album that I just wasn't ready for at the time. Uh, TV on the radio got a lot of praise for this album and then I, I just feel like they kind of vanished off the radar they they no longer were indie darlings blog darlings and uh, no one's talking about them this is a really really good record and uh, TV on the radio if you're listening come on the show I'll talk to you about what I vaguely remember from this record it's a good record though if you haven't listened to it listen to it get it on your Spotify um, and if you think even for a minute like hey it's a good record go buy this record I'm sure they need some money um santa gold's 99 cents another record i don't remember a whole lot about but i just do recall being disappointed and at this point i'm wondering do i like santa gold i remember the song creator apparently it was on grey's anatomy um i thought that was a great song but after after that song beyond that song there's not a whole lot i'm really loving about santa gold these days i just find her to be kind of forgetful Nothing too exciting, perhaps. Um, a record I did love was Number One in Heaven by Sparks. Again, not one I remember a whole lot about, so it's going to be sort of a quick recap on this one. This is, a, But this was a fantastic, very futuristic-sounding record that, uh, especially in our current synth-heavy music era, feels like it was leaps and bounds ahead of its time. Released in 1979, it feels like it laid the groundwork for a lot of things that would come up much later down the line. Uh, it's a brilliant album. It's a must-listen-to album. Uh, I'd say you should go out and buy it. Uh, I only heard of Sparks when they did the collaboration with Franz Ferdinand, and I'm glad I know more about Sparks because they produce fantastic music. Synth he- synth heavy, electronic heavy, nowhere near as clean and pretty is Ultima Massage's to buy tobacco, gritty, gross tobacco-style music. Um, the 70-some track filler at the in the between the majority of the album the last two tracks is stupid and nonsensical i hate that stuff i think corn did that once with the leader like the first 13 tracks were nothing then it was all of a sudden just don't do that like you guys there doesn't need to be a hidden track hidden tracks are dead they're over with that was back when the cd first came out you don't need to do this anymore um I'm really excited for his the Malibu Ken project. I believe he's doing that with Earl Sweatshirt. That should be a really good record. Uh, tobacco with some gross wrapping on top of it. I think that's something to be very excited about. One more. Again, one I had listened to a very long time ago, uh, but fortunately, re listened to it in my, the car with my significant other. Uh, a seat at the table by Solange. Uh, I'm I'm gonna apologize in advance. I'm not giving this record enough credit. It's a brilliant album, very sharp, well thought out, full of uh, self awareness and consciousness. Um, talking about life as a as a black woman in America and subjects beyond that as well. Um, it is poignant and sharp, uh, painful. Musically, it's eloquent and smooth like butter. With loads of pop, folk, gospel, R&B tones. It is truly a magnificent record. One of the best records of 2016 that we didn't talk about on the show, surprisingly. I'm kind of surprised that Ryan never asked us to to cover that one. I listened to this one far later on. Um, One last quick one. Guys, you wouldn't believe I listened to Mezzazine by Massive Attack uh, a long time ago. One of the seminal trip-hop albums, sort of that holy trinity of trip hop out groups of portis head massive attack and tricky uh this is a great record i wish i had more to say on it but there are other publications that have gushed way too hard on this record so you don't need me doing it as well it's a good album though you should buy this album right now hail something through my head um one more real quick one I actually listened to this one recently uh Quite enjoyable uh, indie rock album. The album is called Headcase Slash Hard to Read from 2016. The band is called Day Wave. Uh, A nice, simple indie pop rock album. Feels more like a decade old in terms of how it sounds. A little dated. uh, Sort of like a Pitchfork, Blog Darling era kind of album. But overall, a nice, polite listen that I recommend listening to. You know, give it a couple tracks, see what you think. I'm not sure if I'd really say go out and buy it. But we got shit to get through. We got a lot of shit to get through. Uh, let's dive into some more in depth stuff. I don't remember if I discussed this album, but let's do it because then I'm going to delete it from my computer. The band is called Earth. The album is called The Bees Made Honey in the Lion's Skull. This is part of the, I believe, doom metal stoner rock subgenre. Uh, this drony, very slow, methodical kind of music where. Um, I don't know, 40, 50 beats per minute, if that. It drags, and this album drags, and it's a slog, and it's not enjoyable at all. I I cannot, I don't get this. Um, I know this is a relatively popular subgenre of music at this point um, with other bands like Sleep and, I don't know, Bong, Bong Ripper, is that a thing? Or Weed Eater, or just all those sludgy trudgy bands where the drummers got the worst job in the world of just you know hitting a snare every like i don't know 30 seconds because that's when the four drops um there is atmosphere abound in this album but it doesn't cover for the fact that not much is going on and it's not a wash and formless enough like a Brian Eno ambient record to be sort of that wallpaper you put in the background or kind of chill out to, or sort of, zo- or feel zen at. There, there is a progression that's occurring, but because it's happening, it's such a gruelingly slow pace. It's just boring. It's so boring. And I know I'm a bit of an ADHD kind of guy, but this is a rough, 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 listen, Oh I do not recommend. I do recommend, however, 1974, Gene Harris releases this album, Astral Signal. Um, I believe it's a bunch of covers of other of other bands. Um, I remember some of these things, such as "Don't Call Me Whitey" by uh, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Um, a lot of summer songs such as Summer the First Time and I Remember Summer and Roboto Summer, all boom, 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 in a river in a, row, in a row. I'm looking at the song, Green River. Um, this album's fantastic. It almost has like a proto Kamasi Washington kind of vibe. Um, it's uh, got that sort of big, big vibe to it, a lot of choral singing. Um, it, it kind of has like Kamasi Washington before Kamasi Washington, like t- 20, 30, 30, like uh, forty some years before him, uh, this album is fantastic. I just listened to it the other day. I was uh, cleaning the. I was uh, doing a touch up job on my car with paint. Um, it's 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 a treat. Uh, I wish I gave this album a little more attention. It was sort of in the background while I'm painting and scraping and rust off off the side of my car. Uh, it is a really solid album. Gene Harris. I'm not familiar with Gene Harris, but I'm going to be looking up more of Gene Harris's albums because this one was just so moving. Um, beautiful renditions of songs that seemed familiar. Uh, I wish I knew more about the context of this album, which is a little embarrassing because I really could have looked it up before I got on this microphone, but Blind and Unaware sounds great. It's absolutely fantastic. One that I would say is a little less fantastic though is uh, Guru Guru's Kang Guru or Kang Guru. Um, Guru Guru is a uh, part of the 70s Krautrock uh, wave uh, from Germany. Um, they were on Brain Records or. Uh, um, Brain putting out a lot of avant-garde, odd music in its time. Great label. Uh, You can just find all sorts of juicy nuggets on there. Guru Guru, I came across quite a few years ago as a, hey, if you like can, check out this bed. And um, I Guru Guru always sort of had this second rate stoner kind of vibe to it where it's there's a quirkiness to it um but it, the music the musicianship just doesn't feel as tight as some of the other kraut bands it's definitely more of a b tier in the in the kraut world um that's not to say i didn't like moments uh the song ooga Booga, uh has a lot of fun stuff and immer Lust, lustig also has a lot of good stuff but um it just there's better stuff uh so i duel 2 for example would sort of has a similar vibe to Guru Guru and just sounds infinitely better and more tight and well composed. Uh, this is a scrappier vibe to it. If you're desperate for that kraut vibe, those jams, the psychedelicness, then yeah, by all means, give it a listen. Um, the Almar is going to create some conversations. It's kind of quirky. Um, but it's, it's just kind of whatever. I don't know. You, you could skip it or not. I don't like if this is your thing, you got you got to listen to it. But if you're looking for something kind of psychedelic and weird, I would rather you listen to King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard as I've discussed numerous times and Chris and I have discussed on the show numerous times. Uh, I'm going backwards in their catalog um la- recently i talked about eyes like the sky with chris did not like that one but i found another one float along fill your lungs that i absolutely adored that song head on pill um definitely a precursor to songs like i'm in your mind fuzz and uh the whole not god infinity album that driving gritty uh high-wired psychedelic kind of vibe uh, with garage rock uh, pumped full of lsd um, this is the album of theirs that I've heard. And I'm not well-versed in their early, early stuff. That's sort of where I'm getting to now. But this album is the one that really is helping me understand uh, sort of their evolution. And this is the one that seems like this is where they really start discovering their sound. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the earlier stuff will, will prove to me otherwise. But this is a fantastic uh, KG and the LW album. Um, it's There's just a lot of good moments a lot of fuzzy psychedelic nonsense some good chill moments as well uh it's it's quintessential um a little bit earlier a little rougher on the edges a little less uh um polished as that they'll get later on and well and um and all that stuff but for what it is in in terms of an early career release it's just an absolute joy to listen to if you need some fuzzy trippiness to uh to fill your day um speaking of King Gizzard, one of their m- strongest influences I would say. Uh, well, heck, they cover the they cover the band Hawkwind. Uh from 1972, they had a live professional recording by the BBC Radio, uh live in concert, uh featuring six of their songs, um one being pretty much noise and ambience Uh you got Born to Go 7 by 7, Brainstorm Master of the Universe, Paranoia and Silver Machine. There are better Hawkwind recording live recordings um obviously space ritual being the juggernaut and you must listen to of of hawkwind recordings none of them have the ones i'm familiar with don't have silver machine though and uh it's great to listen to a live version of silver machine the mix on this is a little rough um the vocals for some reason are quite low the bass is kind of thin can, and considering you have lemmy on bass usually um the the hawkwind albums with lemmy are thunderous if you need more live Hawkwind, yeah, by all means, this is this is the one to listen to. But this is not one that's going to get people hooked versus Space Ritual, which you could as a, even as a live album you can give to people and it's going to get them excited about Hawkwind and want to li- listen to their other stuff. Hawkwind's an amazing band where that you can give a live album as the uh, the precursor, the sample platter to get people excited about the band. Not many bands could do that. Hawkwind can because uh, Space Ritual is just such a fantastic. Mind blowing live album. Uh, this one, because the mix is kind of rough, there's just there's better stuff to, to listen to. I'm going to keep in that slightly psychedelic range. Kind of. Konono number one is a band from Africa featuring wonderful, sort of digitally blown out percussion music, uh, creating these sort of s- like hand drum meets synthesizer dance beats. Uh, I've this is the second Kanono album I've listened to. This one is Kanono meets Batita, uh, featuring a little bit more of a structure versus the other Kanono number one album I listened to, which was called Congotronics. Um, it does sound like that some of the same song parts were used there there is definitely some similarity in in the songs to p- some random varying pieces but overall it's unique enough that it does you're not feeling like it's a rip-off Kinono, number one is one of the most interesting bands i've heard recently just this mixture of old traditionalism in this this hand drum drum circle kind of vibes and again i don't know Specifically, from a cultural standpoint, if there's you know specific significance to these things or not, uh, but you have that this hand percussion piece, this sort of uh, older world vibe, but then with this digital uh, spiking of the punch bowl to create this sort of synth- synthesizer electronic drum kind of vibe, so it it's got a weird old meets new feeling, and I'm a I'm a big fan of that because it's a reinvention of of a sound. Um, I think that's just truly remarkable, and this album is remarkable. It has a little bit more, like I said, a little bit more of a structure than Congatronics. More vocals that kind of carry the songs. The songs are still quite long. Songs like "Non uh, Nonzing Familia" at eleven minutes thirty-three seconds, or "Tokolanda" at nine minutes thirty-four. So these are still not quick pop tracks. kanona uh, number one is not something I've known to do. I, I have any sense that they do that, um, but. It still has a little bit more of a, of a of a structured vibe to it. It is just beautiful. Uh, it was released in 2016. If I would have known about it, probably would have been pretty high up on my list. Um, and it would have made me a lot happier. 2016 was a weird year. I don't have a lot to say about Simon & Garfunkel's Live from New York City, 1967. But as live albums go, it's fantastic. Um, Simon & Garfunkel, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about them. I've, this is the second of the live albums I've heard. Um, they're both great. They're just lush and melodic and beautiful beautiful sounding. Um, if you like Simon and Garfunkel, by all means. Even if you don't listen to it. Kind of like I was mentioning about Hawkwind's Space Ritual. You can get someone really into Simon and Garfunkel playing an album like this. It's just, it's just such a welcoming vibe. Um, our Garfunkel has a little bit of a pretentiousness going on. Uh, but you know what? It's one of the biggest groups of the 60s. They can have it. Those guys are like almost dead. The, that era is fading out. It's sad. It's Really sad. You know what was sad though? For different reasons? Neil Young and the promise of the real the Monsanto years. This is an embarrassingly bad album. Um, Neil Young is by no means a favorite artist of mine. I'm really not a fan of his voice. Uh, I find him to be a relatively shrill. Uh, he does, he is capable of writing some catchy songs, but overall I'm never super into them. Um, I know he's got his fan base. I know he's got a big following and people go gaga for Neil Young, but out of, out of that generation musicians, um, I just, I don't find a whole lot remarkable about him. Um, for the most part, there's moments I, uh, that I can appreciate, but for the most part, it's just a little too, it's usually just a little too much, and uh, the Monsanto years, oh boy, is this an embarrassing record? Um, Horrendously on the nose, political statements, I mean, shockingly, like a 14 year old will write them, sub average music, and 50 minutes is not a long album, but this album feels like it's seven hours long, it is very rough, I, Come on, there's there's so, one of the songs' names is "A Rock Star Bucks a Coffee Shop," and then it's just a like Mons just them calling out Monsanto, is the chorus. Um, he talks about how Starbucks uses GMOs, how the farmers and their seeds, the pressure, the sacred seeds, and it's just oh geez, it's like when you go to your local head shop and and the store owner just fucking rants on about the corporations, man. Um, although Neil Young for, tried to form a giant million-dollar business selling high-end iPods or some shit and tried to get money from Donald Trump to bankroll it. So I, does, it, does that count as hypocrisy? I don't really know. I don't know if it necessarily does, but I'm, not, I'm just saying Neil Young is a, a, a weird man. This album is embarrassing. I, I want to say give it a listen because it's kind of on par with albums like Lulu and Doo-Wop. But it's also musically relatively boring, too. Um, But if you want to hear some crazy shit, listen to the song Big Box. uh, uh, The songs Big Box, Rockstar, Bucks a Coffee Shop, Monsanto Years, and uh, I believe Working Man is another one. Um, That already is way too long because two of those songs are eight minutes each. Uh, Fuck, it's crazy. This album is bonkers. It is just... And it makes the argument, which I agree with his argument for the most part. I, I I more or less understand the argument he is making about Monsanto and all all big box corporation, blah 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 blah, stupid shit. I for the most for the most part, I am on board with it logistically. I just can't help but find that when he does such a piss-poor job of it and it sounds just so schlocky and nonsensical, he does the argument disservice and actually harms the argument he's trying to make. Uh it, it just makes it seem kind of embarrassing and stupid, whatever he's saying, and it's just like, there goes wacky-ass grandpa just ranting about whatever again. Fuck, it's wild. It is a wild album. And also, the, the band Promise of the Real... That's that's actually their backing band. That's, that's pretty crazy, too. One more. Michael Rother was one of the members of Noy, and he released the album Flamende Herzen, Flaming Heart, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in 1976. Noi, usually more known for being pretty thunderous and uh, powerful. This is a much mellower, more pleasant album album featuring Jackie Leivitzite on drums which is what led me to it though you have Rother and Leivitzite on one album I'm, I'm on board I'm going to be I'm going to listen to this shit uh very short album only 35 minutes uh part of that again part of the Crow rock, rock era but a little bit later 1976 so you're starting to get into you're creeping closer to the 80s the synthesizers are more prominent it has a little bit of that vibe a little bit more of a less rock jazz vibe and more of that synth pulsating kind of vibe uh it's cleaner than typically like a noi album would be like i said it's a little bit more friendly um i i highly recommend this one not just if you're a crowd fan but if you're looking for some sort of alternative weirdo music not like far out spacey but just kind of a little bit quirky off kilter this is gonna fill that niche uh you have long songs such as fewer at seven minutes nine seconds and Flamenda herzen and cyclodrome which pair. Pops in at nine minutes and a half. Uh, overall, all very easy to listen to, but definitely got their own unique twist and quirkiness. Not a lot of vocals. Um, I don't know if there's none at all. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering anything specifically. It's it's pretty uh, pretty good thing to put on the background and just kind of be a little bit trippy and weird. Uh, put it on the record player when your friends over and they'll be they'll be they'll be engaged and curious. So I don't know if they might go out and buy it, but I adored this record. I thought it was a, a great record. You should go and buy it. You should put it in your collection. And then you should buy a second copy for your friend that likes kind of odd music because they're going to go. They're not going to know what it is. But when they listen to it, they're going to appreciate it. And you're going to open their mind to something truly magical. There's a lot more I'm going to get through for the next uh, roundup. I have to do a couple of these in a row because I really need to clear this board badly. There's so much, as there has been, but. Um, some of it's gone forever. I think I mentioned before, though, I, I switched computers recently, and I lost my list of albums on my on my iTunes of I had listened to but not reviewed yet. Uh, some of these I remembered that were on the list, but, you know, whatever. Episode 106? No, 107? 107. Yeah, that's coming up. That's going to be a good one. I think you guys are going to like it a lot. I think you're going to like all the episodes. Go back to listen to episode one when Ryan and I didn't know what the fuck we were doing and we were recording with rock band microphones. It's great. All the shit's great. Riffin' Rock Music Talk is the best. Number one great job baseball stick USA. 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 USA.